Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but you all know how we do it here on the Huddle Up! Podcast. we got to let it breathe just for a second while we bring in the whole fam family, get Facebook on here with us, and... We are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. My fellow football priest, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we knew about the Jerry Judy tweet that he deleted uh, immediately following. It wasn't immediately, but Sunday night he tweets, uh, something to the effect of, hey, at least I got my conditioning in, right? We even touched on that. I think it was on Monday's show. Um, well, there's kind of been more drip, uh, Judy drips on Twitter that is just passive-aggressive drama. It's creating yeah. some controversy. It's all the rage. It's the talking points all day long in Denver. You had a story on it. I'll bring it up for some, you know, so we can kind of follow along. But for those of the, of our listeners who might have missed it, drop some knowledge on everybody. What's going on? Well, basically, after the Kansas City loss in which Jerry Judy caught one pass for five yards, you take away the Saints game, Chad, it's his worst game of the year, he says, at least I got my conditioning in, LOL. And it's very vague and ominous and cryptic as to who that is uh, in reference to or who he's calling out there. Could be the Broncos coaching staff, the coaching scheme, that's more than likely. It could also be Drew Locke for not getting him the ball and locking onto the first read, which is really Judy. And then he echoed what Odell Beckham Jr. had to say about Pat Shermer, the former Giants head coach. And Beckham basically accused Shermer when he was the head coach there of alienating Beckham from the rest of the players, separating him and making the other players turn on him. And so Jerry Judy quote tweeted that because he deleted it now. This is all alleged, Chad. He quote tweeted that and said it all makes sense now. So you have to wonder about the timing. When it seemed like he was alienated from the game plan against Kansas City, he echoes that point with that tweet. He's very unhappy right now in Denver. We just don't know who that's you know directed at. More likely the coaching staff, but it could be the quarterback as well. I think the first tweet that he deleted about the conditioning, my read is that was his kind of shot. You know, all of this is passive aggressive, right? But that was his passive aggressive shot at Drew Locke, at the quarterback for not looking his way. The second one, there's no other way to interpret it. That one's directed at Shermer, right? Uh, It all makes sense after uh, Odell Beckham Jr. goes on kind of a rant about 
you know, how Shermer did him, di- did him dirty in New York and alienate him, as you just said, and all that. So to me, the first one is Drew. He's, he's taking a shot at Drew. The second one's at Shermer. But if you really boil all this down, what makes it very distasteful is the fact that, look, no one is faulting Jerry Judy for having a sense of pride and feeling like, you know, hey, man, there's no excuse when I'm going up against one of the alpha teams in the league like the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm embarrassed that I <clears throat> I come out of that game with one catch for five yards. Like, I, I feel that I take that upon myself. What's unacceptable is even if you think it's someone else's fault, even if you think you were the man in that game getting open every freaking route, the quarterback just wasn't looking your way. Or the coordinator wasn't featuring enough route concepts that would put you early in the in the route uh, progression for Locke to look your way. Even if that's what you think, you're wrong to air that laundry right. in public. And right. look, you, I like the verbiage you used. I think it was Monday night about Jerry's used to being a, uh, a big fish in a small pond, and now he's a small fish in a big pond. Yep. There's some, there's that, that's very apropos in this particular situation, but it doesn't deviate from the fact that it's unacceptable. This is child, this is childish stuff. And I know wide receivers, Diva, and all this stuff, but Jerry Judy, I get it. You're a 15th overall pick, first rounder, you know, star at, at Alabama, but dude, you need to start acting more like a pro. Well, it's childish stuff, Chad, but let's keep in mind he's also 21 years old. For all intents and purposes, he is a child. And, you know, I I actually referenced him being a minnow now in a vast ocean, whereas he was a big fish. And even you could say a big pond, Alabama, he still was a big fish. He was getting national praise, national attention, and now he's forgotten in Denver while receivers like Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb are all contributing to their respective offenses. On one hand, I do not blame Judy at all for how he feels. The frustration of a losing season, not getting enough passes, uh, Uh, the offensive coordinating and the game planning and the quarterback play. On the other hand, though, I am right there with you. This needs to be handled internally, privately, not publicly, not through Twitter, and certainly not through since-deleted tweets that we, we in the media have to decipher. This is where Fangio has to come and know and kind of lay the law down, him being the head coach of the team, and he kind of excused it. He, he basically chalks it up to a wide receiver, meaning a diva, being a wide receiver, and it's just going to happen with the overall course of a tough rookie season. He says he's fine with Jerry. So you know what? It can't be that bad. I'm with you in that I, I do not fault or blame Jerry for being dissatisfied. And if he does blame someone else for what's going on right now, his relative lack of production, I don't even blame him for that. You know, my advice to him would be, hey, man, you know, take some extreme ownership here and figure out what you either have done or could right. do to, to, to change it with your own uh, sphere of influence here. But never, I don't blame him for the feelings. I don't blame him for, you know, having a sense of pride and being a competitor and all that stuff. But do it in the, do it in house, you know. Go, go open the door to Pat Shermer's office uh, and have a conversation with him. And maybe you can't because of the protocols. So call him on the phone. Organize a Zoom. Get together with Drew and say, hey, my dog, we got to figure out a way to get me involved. This is ridiculous, man. I'm a first-round pick. I'm the best receiver right. on this team right now, which he is. All due respect to Timmy P. Love Timmy P. He's out kicking his coverage. Credit to him. He's He has blossomed into a – he's a burgeoning number one wide receiver before our very eyes – but Jerry Judy, let's face it, he's a better wide receiver. He's a more talented, gifted player Much. than Timmy P's ever going to be. But he's got the benefit of three years of NFL grind under his belt as Timmy P, which, you know, Jerry Judy doesn't quite yet. So, you know, keep this in-house. That's my that's my takeaway to, to Jerry Judy. 
Yeah, and you know what? You you touched on something there, and I wrote it that in the very article that we're looking at right now. He's not blameless, Jerry Judy. He had bad drop problems. So if he wants more balls to come his way, he was dropping the ones that were coming his way earlier in the season. So he is also complicit in this tough season. Though, you know, you have to understand, again, where he's coming from. If he was the best receiver in this draft class, he, he watches the Cowboys game last, last night, for example, and they're playing a tough team. Uh, they're on their fourth quarterback of the year, even though it was their backup. They've, they're out of playoff contention. They're horrible. Yet, no matter what, they always make it a point, Chad. No matter the quarterback, no matter the game plan, no matter the opponent, to get C.D. Lamb the football. And every other rookie receiver in the NFL has that luxury. Why not Jerry Judy? So I really do. I'm split here. I understand his frustrations. I understand the human element to it and also the NFL element to it. But I'm with you. I don't like the the, the tweets and then deleting him. It's like either own it or keep it in-house. You, you can't have it both ways. We'll get to what Fangio said specifically. We'll get to what Drew said specifically about all this stuff. And then, of course, whatever's on your mind, get your questions in. I see we got a Super Chatter 2 stack already. Love you guys. Appreciate you so much. But first, we do have to take care of a couple of quick matters of business, starting with the sponsor of tonight's show. Gang, everyone loves fantasy football. And with the proliferation of uh, sports gambling, now that it's legal in Colorado, it's another way to add enjoyment and stakes and fun to your football enjoyment. But you want to make sportsbetting.com your go-to destination for all things gambling with regard to the NFL, NBA, whatever the case might be. And here is why. Sportsbetting.com gives you sharp odds and low juice. They have their own in-house bookmakers. They don't pull third-party odds you know, from someone else and try and make you believe that you know this is their own insight or their own expertise. They make their own odds. Hassle-free bonuses, which you get to roll over after one time. You want to compare that to some of the other sites out there. They make you have to bet that five to 30 times before you can actually utilize it or cash it out or whatever. And then also you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. And gang, no matter what you're dealing with, if it involves money, if you got a question or you need to reach out and talk to someone, you want to be able to reach out and talk to somebody. But here's the kicker at sportsbetting.com. Right now, pay close attention. You can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And it's not just one bet. It is all of your bets. Here's how it works. You make your, your bets. You make your picks for the week, what, what have you. At the end of the week, if your losses exceed your winnings, sportsbetting.com covers those losses 100% all the way up to 1000 bucks. All right, and you can roll it over after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle, sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle, and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, a couple other quick matters of business here. We'll dive right back into the content. Follow the podcast on Twitter, gang. It's it's how we can keep this conversation going after each and every live stream at HuddleUpPod and the main account at milehighhuddle, my partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL. And I just realized uh, recording a video here with Kim Becker. I, I took off the display name. So as you can see here on the screen at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen also getting a uh, gentle reminder to head on over to the merch store and get your swag on huddleuppod.com. Not to be confused with milehighhuddle.com. That's where the content is. Huddleuppod.com is where the merch is. It's another way to support what we're doing here. Get a football priest hat like you see Zach and I are wearing right now or this 
awesome T-shirt that Christy designed, one of our superstars and an MHH Mount Rushmore member that sold like hotcakes as soon as we debuted it onto the site. Phenomenal. Face masks, uh, mugs, hoodies, little something for everybody. And like I said, it's it's another way to to support what we're doing here. And if you're not in a position uh, to to do the merch store, check out Facebook. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. That's our page. There's a big blue button that says become a supporter. We do have some big plans coming for our Facebook community that supports us, the official supporters. We're currently cooking up a plan to roll out at the beginning of 2021. It's going to involve me. It's going to involve Zach. It's going to involve one or two of our other staffers slash podcast hosts and Kim Becker. It's going to be great, and it's going to be dedicated only to our Facebook official supporters. So, But listen, if you're not in a position to do any of those things, it's all good. Zach and I are just grateful to have you with us in the stream or if you're listening after the fact as a pod. We do ask you do these three things, though. Number one, subscribe. Number two, like this video. Crucial if you're on watching now on Facebook or YouTube. And then the, the, the third thing is the litmus test. If Zach and I are doing a good job, we ask that you share this video out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. That was rough, gang. But listen up. Coors Heart Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy, so simple, and yet so enjoyable to make a difference in the world. Coors Heart Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Heart Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Heart Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Heart Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and communities that depend on them. The results? 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the United States, including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. You get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause, 
Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories, Zach. Another pro. Yeah, Chad, you mentioned it before. The second week in a row, another tough loss by the Broncos, but another opportunity for me for the second week in a row to enjoy a nice Coors Hard Seltzer. Last week it was mango. This week it was black cherry. I love them all, though, Chad. It really makes a losing effort in the NFL that much more palatable. So join the world's easiest volunteer program, gang, by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. Broncos country, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers all on your own. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, before uh, – John, let's grab that. Is that uh, that first super chat there? I don't want our superstars to wait too long here. I'm trying to see who that is. Bear with me one second, gang. I believe it's – it just jumped on me. Where where'd it go? Oh, there it went. Passed it by. Bear with me, gang. It's Zeus. I thought it was Zeus. Of course it is. Oh, there we go. Stu McPeak. MHH Mount Rushmore. We love you. We appreciate you. We say hello to you as well. And we say thank you for your just day in, day out support, my friends. Good to see you. And as always, we love having you in the chat and contributing to the conversation too. Thank you, Stu, for being Stu, as always. He is Zeus. We call him that for a reason. Also, MHH, paid model, unpaid, I should say, quote, quote, unquote, unpaid male model. With pro Badri, at Broncos 2005 on Twitter. I've got that memorized now because I shout him out after every single podcast. Muhammad is supporting us as a, as a super chat superstar, and we appreciate it, my friend. He says, my favorite part of the podcast when Chad says, and we are live. All right, cool. No, me too. Not going to lie. All right, real quick. I know there's a lot. Plenty of questions, plenty of topics, gang. We're, we're going to get right back to the chat. I see things here on Facebook. We'll get to a few Facebook questions. DeAndre is one. Isaiah's got a few interesting topics. Uh, YouTube, I see a Twitch. I see a Twitter. We'll get to you guys here in just a second. Uh, first, though, Zach, I want to go back to this article and I, that you wrote today, by the way. Great article kind of encompassing this whole uh, entire kind of you know ball of wax. This is what um, – Drew Locke had to say, wait, wait, Drew, is it Drew? Yeah, this is the first one is, yeah, it's true. All right, here's Drew's, here's Drew's uh, response to what Jerry has, his kind of passive-aggressive rumblings on, on Twitter. Quote, if he's happy about not getting the amount of balls that he wants, then there's something going on there. You want a receiver that wants the ball. You want a guy that wants it in his hand and wants to make plays. That's what it's all, uh, and that's what we like about Jerry. He wants the ball in any situation, the beginning of the game or crunch time towards the end. People play him a certain way, and you go throughout the game and you make your reads. Sometimes you don't end up getting to him, and sometimes you hit the guy. He could have been the second person on the read, but we'll, but the first one was open. It's how the game flows, and I know he's learning that right now. As a receiver in this league, there are times when it's tough to get the ball every once in a while. It's about fighting through those games and getting ready to practice the next week Go into the next one thinking you're going to catch 15 that game. Just being ready for that opportunity for next Sunday, close quote. So, Zach, in a way, Drew, a second-year player, is saying, hey, man, as a advice to Jerry, his message to Jerry here, at least on the public level, is, 
hey, buck up, man. Sometimes you're not going to get the ball, but maybe the next game you'll get 15. Yeah, I mean, he's also saying he, he's kind of exonerating his behavior by saying it'd be a problem if this wasn't happening, Chad. It'd be a problem if Jerry Judy was being complacent and okay with not getting the targets, not getting the catches, not being the guy in the Cortland Sutton West wide receiver court. That's also very frustrating. He was supposed to be the guy even with Sutton next to him. Now Sutton's out of the picture and Jerry Judy's in obscurity. So yeah, Drew Locke is also saying there he's kind of outing himself by admitting his first read problems. The first read's there. You're not going to always be the first read. you got to sometimes make Jerry Judy the first read. You have to recognize him beating his man off the line of scrimmage, him getting open and finding him down the field. That's on Locke as well. Excellent point. I was actually going to segue into that. Whole, let's face it, one of the knocks on Drew, and this, there's really no debating this if you watch the All-22 film, okay? It's not as easy to discern and pick out on the television broadcast when you watch it the first time, but he is really only reading one side of the field. The coaches are, are – and I don't know if it's because that's just where he's at in his development as a, as a QB or if that's the mandate from on high from Pat Shermer and Mike Shula because of some of the struggles he's had this season, but – Zach, you nailed it. He's really only going through read one and two. And if it's not there, man, that's when bad stuff tends to happen for the Denver Broncos. So if I'm Pat Shermer, all right, look, that's not necessarily a complete indictment on Drew. I mean, it's not great. You want him to be able to more fully grasp uh, the the route concepts and go through his full progressions. And even Vic Fangio in his own way today, I'll get to that here in a second. Don't let me forget, by the way, uh, actually kind of indicted Drew when he was asked about why the Broncos running backs are have the second lowest number of receptions in the NFL right now as a group. Also kind of indicted, Drew. We'll get to that here in a second. But the point being is it, it, it all, it's just the, the lay of the land. The fact is Drew's not going to read three and read four, right? It's read one, it's read two. So if you're Pat Shermer, the message here is how do we weave Jerry into read right. one and two on these right. plays? And, in fact, let's make him read one. Right. He's kind of been playing the Z a lot more slot than I anticipated, to be frank with you. And Tim has been the X. Well, maybe it's time to start mixing that up a little. That doesn't mean you remove Tim from being the the X, but you you start kind of switching them up more to roll Jerry into some of those early uh, reads in the in the progression. I'm, it's on lock again for not recognizing when Judy's open or not cycling through his reads. I mean, that's something every quarterback should do, uh, experience notwithstanding. But it's also, again, on Pat Shermer for not scheming Jerry Judy open. This is a first-round draft pick. He's not a fourth or fifth-round pick. He was the number 15 overall draft pick. He is arguably the best receiver in this draft class coming into the season anyway. So why the Broncos offense, or at least Pat Shermer, does not feature him is, is astounding to me. And again, when you watch a Cowboys game, they're a terrible offense. Offense. They're on they're a lot of backup players. They're injury racked. They're down and out. Yet, if you watch them, they make it a point every single week, no matter the opponent, to get C.D. Lamb the football. So, again, it's not one or the other. It's not Locke or Shermer. It's both. And that's the crux of Judy's frustration. He's Everyone around him is failing him, and yet, what can he do about it? It's not on him, in his mind. Here's what Fangio said when asked directly about uh, Jerry Judy's blusterings on Twitter. Quote, Well, the last three games, the game before this past one, obviously he wasn't going to get many balls thrown to him that day, talking about the Saints game. I don't think he's hit the wall at all, talking about, hey, has he he hit the rookie wall? I think he'd just like to have more catches, and I don't know of any receiver that doesn't feel that way. I'm glad he's a little frustrated that he's not getting more production. We want our guys to feel that way. I don't know what he said or didn't say on Twitter, but I'm okay with Jerry. Jerry is in 
a good spot. So in his own way, similarly, Zach, to Drew, and even more so, I think, for, for Fangio, is he's almost kind of condoning Excuse the behavior. Me. Exactly. It, it would be better, in my opinion. I know Fangio's the grandpa, right? Doesn't get Twitter. Doesn't, you know, barely can text, right? Doesn't know what Instagram is. or You know, he doesn't know these things. I get that. That's fine. Snap so, face. In, <laughs> exactly. So instead of standing up there and say, I don't know what he said on Twitter, but I'm okay with Jerry. He's in a good spot and all that. Stand up and say, I don't know what he said on Twitter, but if what you're telling me is true, that's not cool. It's not acceptable. We expect more from Jerry. And if he is frustrated, we would understand that. If he is frustrated, we would expect Jerry to come uh, talk to us and keep that in-house. Next question. Accountability. And that's been one of the themes, Zach, of the Vic Fangio era up to this point is whether sure it's with his own coaching uh, his coaches or players themselves, there isn't much accountability in terms of knowing, you know, no one's obviously Rich Gangarello and TC McCartney are the exception that proves the rule, but no one's getting criticized. No one's getting sat down or it's like with Michael OJ Moody. And we're going to grab Drew as soon as I, as soon as I say this, um, look, he gets blown away by Julio in Atlanta, totally dominated misses. A, and who doesn't, if you're a rookie corner going against Julio Jones, odds are you're going to have a bad day. But nevertheless, a couple of missed tackles on the perimeter. Fangio pulls his card, sits him down for a couple of days, right? Or a couple of uh, games. Well, maybe you disciplined him internally. Maybe everyone inside the building, maybe Fangio stood up and said, look, uh, or at least in the defensive room and said, hey, we're sitting Michael down for a minute. Michael understands that he can't miss those tackles. It's not negotiable, right? We know his philosophy on tackling for DBs. But it would also be good to let fans and media know as well and stand up there and say, hey, look, it's unacceptable. When he gets the question, because he did, Fangio, get questions about why suddenly has Ojemudi disappeared from your defense after playing 85% snaps all season long. To take that opportunity, Zach, to say, hey, we're showing accountability here. Um, Michael has to learn that tackling in this league when you're in my defense, it's non-negotiable, and he's got to do better, and i got to put someone on the field who can do that. Next question. We just don't see any of those um, we don't see any of that from the head coach holding people accountable. Right. And it's, it's feeding into this thing. There's no ownership from Fangio. And there's, there's constant waffling and vacillating. And uh, you mentioned a lack of accountability. How about a lack of involvement on offense? He's always leaving Pat Shermer to his own devices. He's leaving Mike Munchak to his own devices, playing Eli Wilkinson instead of stepping in there or with the play calling and mandating what he thinks is best for the Broncos. This is the biggest knock on Fangio. He's a great defensive mind, one of, if not the best in the NFL, but is he proper head coaching material? Is he the guy you want leading your team for the next half decade or beyond that i'm still unsure of that question the answer to that john i am too this is the overtime podcast network drew hollenbeck one of our superstars longtime listener of this podcast longtime superstar supporting the content here at mhh and great and a member too. of this community we love the profile pick my dog yes Thank and you. for those of you who are listening after the fact he's rocking the football priest hat and he's rocking the mhh face mask love you buddy he says Judy should want the ball. I have no problem with that. Agreed. But if you aren't getting it, find other ways to help the team. Rod Smith claims the first Super Bowl as his favorite game, and he didn't catch a single ball. And that kind of ties into someone hit me up about this, Zach, today. I guess, um, you know, Mark Schlereth of of The Fan, right, the morning show in Denver, 104.3 The Fan, kind of went on a rampage today castigating Judy for for the airing this dirty laundry in in uh, you know public and said hey man 
maybe I need to put maybe you know what I would do if I was one of these coaches, I would put together a low light reel, something to the effect of, you know, find all the plays in which Judy didn't block backside or he dropped, you know, a pass or all this because he found it to be repugnant that he is airing this uh, publicly. That's great for morale, Chad. A guy who's already pissed off, let's show him the things he's doing the worst. That you know, That's going to send the right message. I'm not going to kill Jerry Judy for this. I, I mean, he's a young guy. He's 21 years old. He's a rookie receiver, and he's coming in from the spotlight, the limelight, into no light at all. So I'm not going to go overboard on this. If Fangio's okay with it and Locke's okay with it, and you sense the vibe of the locker room kind of condones it, and they respect Jerry Judy for wanting the ball, then I will as well. Shout out to... Uh... Mahesh here. Appreciate you supporting the merch store, my friend. He says, I finally ordered my MHH face mask. Good to hear it, my friend. We do appreciate it. Yeah, let us know how you like it, for sure. Yes, and send us the selfie when you get it. We will uh, shout you out on Twitter and and Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, don't let me forget, there's something I want to bring up about MHH Instagram here in a little bit. Go ahead. Let's let's grab Tony, one of our brothers here in the MHH community. We call him D-A-Dub, Tony. Discount Audio and Wheels out of Los Angeles. Again, guy. You know, Broncos country, it's not a geographic location. It's a state of being, baby. It's wherever you are. And Tony's in L.A., and he says Judy should be in the slot. His route running and creating separation would excel, but running go routes, not his strength. That's on coaching. Go Broncos. Tony, how much of this is on coaching, to be frank with you? Um, There are things, even if Drew is having Tebow, Tim Tebow-level problems reading, going through his, his reads and progressions and all that, even if that were the case, and I'm not saying that it is, it's not great, but I'm not saying it's that bad. There's things that coaches can do to make it easier on Drew and to also get Watch. the ball to his, to the true playmakers. For example, Zach, um, Josh Carney had a great film breakdown that published this morning. I'm sure most of you have read it by now that, that was breaking down Noah Fant's production in the first half last week against the Chiefs and then his utter disappearance in the second. And then he even pointed to the fact on the all 22 film on that final drive, you know, the Broncos get the ball back with a minute and change, uh, you know, minute 10, something like that. No timeouts down six. Pat Shermer has no offense staying into block. Now he put up a great question in this very article at the, at the very end. He goes, now, do you think if the Kansas city chiefs were in that situation down six, one minute to go <laughs> Kelsey blocking, Kelsey's in blocking, it's it's unconscionable to be frank, Zach, and it just goes to show you just how uh, you want to talk about a roller coaster. Yeah, put accountability, put some of the onus and the, and the scrutiny on the players. But Pat Shermer shares uh, more than his fair share. That's why I'm saying if you put Drew Locke on the Chiefs with uh, B enemy and and uh, Andy Reid, how good would he be? How much better would he be at least? And to the point about using uh, Jerry Judy in the slot, let me ask a rhetorical question. A few of them, actually. Where do the Cowboys play C.D. Lamb? He could play outside, but he plays a slot. Where do the Vikings use Jefferson? He could play, play outside. He plays in the slot. Where, where do they play Henry Ruggs in Vegas, Chad? He could play outside, but he plays in the slot. The common thread between all of them is they are playmakers and matchup nightmares at this level. And the Broncos only keeping Jerry Judy in one spot and not scheming him open is a shame and a travesty to his potential. Well said, DeAndre on Facebook with a good question here. Do you think that a normal offseason and reps will help Drew Locke? Absolutely. In fact, and I don't say this to take – and, you know, it's not so much an excuse, you know, uh, finding the easy way out, finding the hole in the boat and absolving Drew of his uh, at times regression this year. And at best, let's just say his inability to take a clear step forward in his development. 
I, I, I don't want to absolve him completely of his own, his own um, contributions to that. However, not getting the 60, the Broncos fired their, his offensive coordinator, gave him a new one. That's fine. All right. If you're going to do that, whatever. But then he didn't get any offseason reps with Pat Shermer, none. And then he didn't get any preseason reps, none. Then you get to training camp, and the workflow is completely different and more restricted than it's been in years past from a reps perspective. And and so would a full offseason – this is why, Zach, I'm I'm hesitant to, to join in any of the cacophony of fans saying fire Shermer at the end of the season. Keep Drew, fire Shermer. I get that, but I'm hesitant to do it because I think – knowing what we know about Shermer's history as a, as a coordinator and some of the success he's had with quarterbacks, given a full slate of a traditional offseason and the preseason and all that, I think he and Drew could end up still being great matches for each other if given the time to kind of get on the same page and work together. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the continuity aspect. And the Broncos, they can't have six offensive coordinators in six years. You have to keep one eventually down the line just for you know preservation's sake. But then again, I look at Pat Shermer, and I mean this professionally, not personally. He's a cancer for a lock and the Broncos offense. I'd rather cut the cancer out now before it spreads. If they're going to you know, make wholesale changes next year, maybe change up the coaching staff or change up the players, get rid of Pat Shermer. He's obviously not the answer. He's obviously not the guy to lead Drew Locke or really any other Broncos quarterback. If he had a normal offseason, Drew Locke, he would have been better this year. But what was his ceiling now? Now that we know what it's like, how this season has gone, what was his ceiling really in Pat Shermer's offense? Not very high, unfortunately. Indeed. Indeed. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. All right, let's grab – I got another one here cooked up from Isaiah with a good question, and, and Brian Gillespie. I'm going to tie these two together. Isaiah says, in my opinion, I think Jacoby Brissett would be a good addition. He beat the Broncos. Last year, it would be a good quarterback competition to light a fire underneath lock. Thoughts as far as possible free agent options next year. And then this kind of ties into Brian Gillespie saying, so are we going to trade for Carson Wentz next season or sign Dak? All right. So just for a second here, let's take this opportunity, and we love our Facebook community. We appreciate you being with us here tonight. Yes. Let's take this opportunity to talk about, just for a second, the idea of next season. All right, let's just let's just assume for, us, for the sake of this conversation that Drew's final four games go about the way the, you know, the first three quarters of the season has. It's one step forward, two steps back. Two steps forward, one step back. You know, he's just treading water, not showing – at times showing regression, at times, you know, showing flashes, but no consistency. Let's just assume it shakes out that way. What do you do, Zach, if you're the Denver Broncos by way of the quarterback position for 2021? 
I bring someone in and I don't crown either quarterback. I hate to do it, but I go back to having a mostly open competition. You're going to have a normal offseason more than likely uh, next year, at least going into the summer, will be mo- mostly back to normal. So you'll have more reps, you'll have more coaching, you'll have more on-hand development with your quarterbacks. I'm bringing in either a better veteran, and I'm not – Jacoby Brissett, Isaiah, I think you asked this on Twitter. I'll answer you on Twitter, but he's always been the jag to end all jags to me. Him and Tyrod Taylor, I, I, if I'm going to upgrade behind Drew Lock. If I'm going to bring in a guy who I think I can win with in a spot start, I'm going to bring in a guy who actually can win in the in this league and in this uh, in this spot. So who that is, I don't know what veteran that could be. I mean, I've heard Sam Darnold, I've heard Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. I just don't see Elway Chad going back to that well. I don't see after being burned on Case Keenum and Joe Flacco, him going back to the older Band Aid veteran route. Ideally for me, I keep Locke on the roster. He's under contract for peanuts. I draft a quarterback more than likely. Doesn't have to be in the first round. Doesn't have to be with your likely top 10 draft pick, but somewhere in the second or third round, a, a mostly blue chip guy, maybe someone like Mac Jones, just a, a tier two kind of guy. And then you have the younger Drew Locke, the veteran, and he would have the experience by that point. And then you have the maybe higher upside rookie and the best man should win. What about Andy Dalton? As Frank is saying here, would you have interest bringing him in? Well, first of all, to answer the previous question, Dak, let me just amend my previous comment. Dak is the only veteran I'd be okay the Broncos splurging on because his upside chat is through the roof. I'm not worried about his ankle. He'll, he's ahead of schedule with that. He'll heal normally from that. If the Broncos were willing to do so, I would splurge on Dak any day. I don't think he gets out of Dallas. I don't think LA wants to cut a check for 40 million a year. Andy Dalton. He's been decent. He keeps Dallas afloat in that offense, but is he a guy to win playoff games in Denver? I don't know about that. So let me let me answer those two Facebook questions here uh, and say that if, indeed, again, for the sake of this conversation, Drew's final four games shake out about the way these first three quarters have, I'm still rolling with Drew as my guy next year. And that might come across as uh, Homer-ish or, you know, blind, ignorant, whatever. I mean, I think that Brock Osweiler had some interesting things to say yesterday, but they were true. He was asked point blank about Drew. How long do you give him to to figure it out? How long till you know? And long story short, there's some irony there, Chad. There is some irony there, but this is a this is an expert. Okay, this is a guy that played in the NFL. He's bumped his head along the way, and he's he's learned himself through trial and error. He has the wisdom of experience. Let me just put it that way. Okay, and that and, and and what he said basically is that you know, first of all. Don't start forming any opinions until 20 starts, until a quarterback has had 20 starts. He said that's about when people start figuring out. But I would give Drew three years. Now, when you talk about three years, bringing it back to the conversation, I think you count 2019, all right, even though he only had uh, five games. You count this year, that's two. To me, I would I concur with Brock. You give him 2021 with a full offseason and uh, a year in which he's not recycling coordinators, and if he can't get it done, you'll know quick. You'll know early next year if he if that was a mistake. Okay. And that doesn't mean you make any you, you completely ignore the quarterback position. Jeff Driscoll, that you got to upgrade your backup option regardless. Regardless, you got to upgrade that. Uh, uh, Blake Bortles, hold on to Brett. Brett Rippon's got some upside as a as a backup and a spot starter, but go out and get a more proven, competent veteran backup in case. In his third year, you're giving Drew that third opportunity, that third third swing at the plate. He does fall flat on his face in the first quarter of the season. You know it pretty quick. You have a Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone that can at least 
play competent football and feed some of your playmakers. And then you see what happens next. You know, I know this won't happen. I'm even okay with the Broncos signing a guy like Andy Dalton or maybe Alex Smith and even drafting a guy on top of that in the second or third round, maybe even the first round if someone falls to you. You can never have enough quarterbacks if you're still looking for the guy. And I always say it, and it's I think it's true, you have to keep swinging until you connect on that home run chat or the grand slam as the case may be. You cannot settle for ground rule doubles, triples. It has to be a homer. And I think Elway is still looking to do that. Well, and that's something Brock also brought up in this this conversation is that, you know, there are there are the special freaks of nature like the Mahomeses and the Lamars who come out of the box and are studs day one. But he made a fair point. Even some of the best quarterbacks today, it took them time to figure it out. And look at Drew Brees. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look, I mean, you could literally go through a who's who. There are exceptions to the rule. And that has, you know, that's what's created kind of this impatience in the NFL. It's what's created impatience in media and in the fan base with regard to quarterbacks, but really it, it does take time and anything, anything worthwhile takes time to master. And it's no different for quarterbacks and Miller 707 champ jumps in with an interesting question here, Zach, bringing it back to Judy and Drew specifically. Are Judy's comments, the beginning of Drew losing the locker room and the trust of his teammates? I think it's Pat Shermer. It's an indictment on him, and I think it's the uh, the ultimate expose of how he just does not call the proper plays for the Broncos offense. And in, in a lot of ways, I, I mean, us, Chad, you and I specifically, and a large sect of Broncos country should be nodding in agreement with Jerry Judy if he's airing out Pat Shermer for not calling the right plays or not getting him involved. And even, Chad, Drew Locke made a point today. He was asked about the lack of running back involvement in the passing game. And he said it was nice to see a screen that worked every now and then. And he said the screens, checkdowns, those passes, the second, third, and fourth read aren't getting called enough this season, or uh, we haven't gotten to those enough this season, were his exact words. That's also an indictment on Pat Shermer. You're talking Fangio said that, not Drew. Okay. I mean, the, 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 this, the quote is still the same. It's all, it all goes back to Pat Schumer, though. He doesn't call the proper plays for his personnel, whether that's Locke, Judy, the running backs. He's not the right coordinator for this team. Yes. And um, I'll read that quote verbatim because it's interesting. I, I referenced it earlier in the conversation, what Fangio said when he was asked like, why the Broncos are, you know, you go out and pay all this big money for Melvin Gordon, and it's, a, you know, ostensibly the talking points coming out of Dove Valley are, well, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a good he's an above he's a uh, no he's a good running back, but really what separates him is his receiving chops. And then you are second worst at getting targets catches to your running backs. Uh, Christopher Do forty four. We'll grab this and then I'll pull up that quote. Appreciate you, Chris. It's good to see you, my friend. He says uh, Locke struggles and Judy gets tripled and doubled. It's tough. Uh, don't want a Stefan Diggs Kirk Cousins problem. Judy over Locke, sadly. Um. What do you mean? Like in terms of your allegiance, like what Judy wants is more important than Locke. I'm not sure what you meant by that last thing, but Zach, your thoughts to what Christopher's saying here. Well, I think the Vikings got rid of Diggs because they didn't want to have to pay him. They drafted Justin Jefferson at a fraction of the cost. And Diggs is a great receiver. I mean, he's having a tremendous year in Buffalo. I don't understand the the pretext of the comment here, but I don't think we're going to have a long-term issue between Locke and Judy. This is not an indictment on the quarterback. It's on the coaching. So Zach did a good job of uh, paraphrasing what Fangio said here today. But I'm going to go ahead and direct quote him. This was the question of, hey, Vic, your, your running backs have the second fewest uh, receptions amongst as a group in the NFL. How do you explain this? And he says, quote, definitely we'd like to spread the ball around as much as we can. 
We haven't gotten to the backs as much. It was nice. This is such an indictment, Zach. It was nice I, to see a screen pass the other day have some success. I mean, come on. I think come it on, comes man. down to most running backs. Uh, I think it comes down to most running backs. Catches, not all of them, are screens, checkdowns, third and fourth read. True. And we haven't gotten too many of those this year, close quote. So in one remark, right, one quote, one soundbite, Fangio, I think in a Freudian slip type of way, I don't think he meant to, indicted both his coordinator and his quarterback. Yes, very much so. Yeah, that that second, third read comment, that you know, the third or fourth read, that's an indictment on Drew Locke not going through his progressions. But to say it's nice to see a successful screen and to name those plays, Chad, which are football fundamentals, we're not getting to those means. We're not calling them enough. But you know what? Now that it's the head coach saying it and he has some affluence and he has some influence and he has some power, why not step in there and call Shermer into your office and mandate, listen, we have the horses, we have the talent, call more screen passes. Why Fangio is so hands-off with the offense is baffling to me. Uh, Jerry, one of our supporters on Facebook, our official supporters, appreciate you, Jerry, rocking the face mask like a boss. He says, I want to see Jerry get more targets. Is he going after balls more than Patrick? Who can bring down uh, contested passes better? Yes, I know he's channeled his inner Moss before. Yeah, we saw that. That's And that's not necessarily Jerry Judy's calling card as Moss and people on vertical routes, but he definitely did that in week four against uh, Pierre Desser and the Jets, I would love to see him get more targets. But part of the problem here is it's this weird, um, ju- you know, jambalaya of, you know, this this weird potion, this weird mixture of lackluster, uh, uninspired X's and O's from the coordinator and a young quarterback struggling to read the field. And, and it just trickles down to guys like Judy, stud, guys like Fant, stud, being criminally unused in the offense when you have five targets in two weeks and you have one catch for five yards in a game the Broncos were throwing and the game the Broncos were trying to compete with the Chiefs and he's your first round receiver I I want him to have that mentality I want him to want the ball but what more could he do if if the quarterbacking is shaking and the play calling is inconsistent he's out there you know giving his all running around trying to get open and here's the thing Chad he doesn't have to really moss guys he gets open with his feet his footwork it's part of the reason the Broncos drafted him he's way more Marvin Harrison than he's Randy Moss and the Broncos if you look at it that way they're wasting Marvin Harrison like talent it's so maddening it really is all right we've got another one here from Christopher thank you my friend really appreciate you he says Shannon Sharp called out Locke today 100% sure Elway has heard enough what he's saying. Um, I'm not sure what you mean there Christopher as far as has Elway heard enough you mean the, the he's, he's over Drew dial it back two weeks and a lot has happened since then in terms of the mask-wearing snafu, Kendall Hinton having to play all that. And then, you know, two more picks in a game against the Chiefs that he needed to have as close to a perfect game as possible. So it's 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 definitely plausible that Elway's opinion has changed. But two weeks ago, he said, I'm, I'm excited about Drew. Does that sound to you like the talking points and public um, posture of a GM fixing to – Make a change at quarterback at the first opportunity he can. Not it doesn't to me. 
And do you think John Elway, of all people, who's, you know, his, he answers to himself, is he really going to care what Shannon Sharp is saying? No, and I don't either, Chad. We got tagged on Twitter today with something that Skip Bayless said on, on one of his shows about how Tim Tebow would have beaten the Chiefs on Sunday night. It's, it's all for ratings. It's all for, for viewership. It's all like, it's verbal clickbait that Shannon Sharp's putting out there. He was great in Denver. He's a franchise icon, but in recent years, he's kind of turned against the Broncos and he's kind of, you know, a part of the, the let him hate, you know, brigade who were championing against. He's part of the establishment against the Broncos. Elway doesn't care what Sharp is saying. Elway doesn't care what Bayless is saying. Elway doesn't care what Chad and I are saying. Elway cares what Elway thinks, and he'll judge Locke on that merit. Well, I mean, even remember the we had that great conversation uh, with the author of the new Elway book. Um, oh my goodness, I'm for, I can't believe I'm forgetting. Jason it. Cole. Thank you. Jeez, I'm very embarrassed. Uh, we had that great conversation with Jason and we asked, Hey, I think it was you, Zach, that asked, Hey, what kind of feedback have you gotten from Elway on this mm-hmm. or how involved was Elway? Cause it was an unauthorized biography. And, and most biographies that you're going to ever read are unauthorized, meaning that the person in which the, you know, the subject of the biography was not directly involved in the, the writing of the book. Almost every biography is unauthorized. So, Hey, was Elway involved? And what was the feedback? What have you heard anything? And it, to, to paraphrase what Jason said that day was, all I've heard is that, you know, John Elway, um, what was it? He said to something to the effect of John, he, t- he told, he shared an anecdote about uh, Elway's um, clippings in the, in the, in the paper and stuff back in the day when he was a player, all he ever cared about was, did he, did they get my quote right? He doesn't care what anyone thinks the opinions. He couldn't give two flying, you know, what's he just doesn't right. care. He just cares. Are the facts straight? If the facts are straight and if you involve invoke the name Elway, all he cares are the facts straight, your opinion, whatever. Uh, Thomas, real quick message to Thomas on Facebook. He wants it back in the Facebook group. Uh, reach out to me, DM me or something, and I'll see what I can do. If you were blocked from the MHH super fan group on Facebook, it's because you either were busted with uh, naughty language, vulgarity is not good. We, we, we toss you for that if it's repeated or something worse, perhaps. So if you reach out to me, maybe we can give you a second chance. Um, but that would be my advice to you, my friend. Uh, Richie, real quick, Chad, at the end of the day, we don't know if Jerry Judy had already brought this forward to the team behind closed doors. This is true. Now, if he did, uh, no problem. He can do what he did. If not, then I agree with Mark. So, yes, it is entirely possible, and, in fact, I would be surprised if at some point over the last month or so, Zach, Jerry Judy hasn't voiced his frustrations with not being as involved as he would like to be. But it still, in my opinion, doesn't excuse him from airing that dirty laundry in public because this is the league, man. This is the NFL team first. Yeah, this isn't college anymore. I mean, this is the grown-up business. This is a billion-dollar business, and uh, especially John Elway does not play about that. You know, but Jerry Judy, again, he's entitled to how he feels, but I think it's up to the Broncos' leadership, and I don't mean John Elway. I mean Fangio as the head coach and Pat Shermer as the coordinator to have a constructive meeting, not just sitting down and, and, and bash him and criticize him and make him feel bad for speaking out, but how can we help you? Tell us what plays you like. Tell us what plays you don't like. How can we get you more involved? How can we maximize your potential and help the team that would be taking a step forward but we haven't seen that to that point yet and i have a feeling that's also playing into his frustrations albert says on facebook judy is elite but is he a smart player does he have it between the ears is it a trust issue for the coaches no i really don't think maybe early on there was a little trust broken when he dropped some balls in key situations because let's not forget if jerry judy doesn't suddenly come down with a bad case of the dropsies 
The Broncos right now are five and seven instead of four and eight. They beat the Tennessee Titans. That game done. <clears throat> the, the, especially that drop during the four minute offense on third down that would have moved the chains and allowed the Broncos to kill it, kill the clock. Um, that cost the Broncos. And so maybe for a time early, coaches were like, hey, man, you know, key situations, let's look elsewhere, whoever the quarterback was, because there was, you know, that next quarter of the season was a quarterback carousel with Drew getting hurt. But as as far as being smart, Zach, Jerry Judy is a very smart player. He's, he might be immature. That's different than being smart. But he's – I don't have any reason to believe he lacks football acumen, football IQ. I mean, just a – just how proficient he is as a route runner already tells you about where, because do you know how much uh, research, do you know how much um, study goes into mastering something like that? And you got to have some wherewithal between the years to, uh, to do that. Yeah. I I just want to point out though, kind of to drill down on the question. If Judy was elite, we wouldn't be having a question whether he has it between the years Um, elite in what sense route running. Yeah. He was always the best route runner in this draft class, but elite in the NFL, certainly not elite players. Don't drop the passes. He's dropped elite passes, find a way to get open and get themselves the ball. They would step in front of the quarterback. He would step in front of lock and be like, listen, you better throw it to me. I will be open. Find me down the field. He still has a lot of growing up to do. But remember, he was never supposed to be the wide receiver one. He was never supposed to be the man this year. It was supposed to be kind of a transitional year, getting him passing in the torch from Cortland Sutton. It's too much responsibility, Chad, and not enough payoff. And again, the the aggravating factors around him, the quarterbacking and the coaching and everything else that goes into it has also uh, affected him, rightfully so. Drew, jumping back in. Thank you, my friend. Seriously, thank you. We appreciate you and the support. It goes a long way. So thank you. He says, Zach said it on Twitter. Franchise quarterbacks are drafted, not bought. I still think Locke has franchise guy potential. Pick up someone to light a fire underneath his his rear end. Best man wins. You know, that reminds me of a saying that I, I uh, picked up from uh, Mike Pritchard. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Who is obviously former uh, first-round pick from CU. <clears throat> Played most of his career in Atlanta, spent some time in Seattle, spent some time as a Bronco. And uh, he did about a two-year stint, I want to say, <clears throat> at uh, at the fan in Denver. So he came back and did some Denver media for a while. And now he's back in Vegas. But, Zach, during the uh, Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, right, all eyes on, oh, well, the Broncos going in on Kirk and ended up, of course, getting Case Keenum. He, his line was, there's no such thing as a, fran- as a free agent franchise quarterback. No such thing as a free agent franchise quarterback. Peyton Manning is the exception that proves the rule. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I'm so glad you said that, Chad, because, Drew, you're right. I did say that on Twitter and I stand by that, but I got so much blowback from that comment because Broncos fans were pointing out that Elway was, was signed and uh, some of the other quarterbacks were signed and not drafted. These, these were all different times. I'm not comparing Peyton Manning or even Elway's time to what it is right now. In today's NFL, if you go down the list, the best quarterbacks are young, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, and drafted by the team they're playing for right now. It's the top eight or nine quarterbacks in the entire NFL. It's what you have to do. You can't buy one off the street. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Matt Safford or quarterback next year. Like you were never going to win one with Case Keenum or Joe Flacco. But there's a reason, Chad, you got to one with Brock Osweiler, a guy you drafted and a guy you developed. In this day and age, as always come to find out through Drew Locke, or at least going through the motions with Locke, you have to develop one, find one, and hone him to be your guy for five, ten years and beyond that. Jay Bone has changed his handle on YouTube. Justin, just another lazy boy GM. Statler jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you. He says, I want Shermer gone, but I don't want Locke to have a seventh OC in seven years. Help, guys. I feel trapped and confused. The only solution out of that pickle is moving on from both, right? You get a new OC and you get a new quarterback. <laughs> and I just don't think the Broncos are, are in that headspace. Now, maybe that changes between now and the end of the season, Zach, but I really don't think it's going to. But my my counter to this, and I understand you don't want another change and having to learn another system for whatever the quarterback may be, but is keeping Pat Shermer really worth the trauma of forcing a quarterback, whoever it may be next year, to learn a new system, to force the players to learn a new playbook? Pat Shermer is so bad for this team, they they are worse by the virtue of him being the coordinator. Removing him would be addition by subtraction. That's exactly how I feel about it, Chad. You're gaining uh, nothing by keeping him and, and, and standing to lose everything by rocking with him for next year. You know, it's possible. It's possible, but I, I can, as frustrating as Shermer has been to me at times and, and just some really head-scratching moments, he just hasn't, to me, he hasn't been Mike McCoy 2017 bad, in my opinion. That, now, subjective, it's my take, it's my perspective. And if he was just some Johnny-come-lately uh, coordinator then that had a very uh, limited NFL resume, I'd be a lot more inclined to just say, throw that baby out with the bathwater. But he does have a history of being a very good and effective uh, coordinator and play caller and has had a lot of success with different style quarterbacks over the years. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, hey, we sit here and we say, you know, we'll grab that just one second, John. We say, hey, look, you know, Drew Locke didn't get 1,600. He missed out on 1,600 reps with the new offense. 
Well, so did Pat Shermer with his players. So did Pat with his quarterback. So did Pat with his receivers and his offensive linemen and his running backs and all that. And so that's part of it for me as well is I want to see, look, they made the move to fire Scangarello. There's no going back on that, right? That's that's in the rear view. It happened. Now it's like, how do you make the, the most of the situation as it stands, knowing, Zach, that this wasn't a uh, – you, you didn't have a straight-up a straight up uh, body of work to fully analyze or, eva- or fully evaluate Drew and fully evaluate Shermer. That's why, to me, it's almost like unless you're just like completely over Drew, then, then you would maybe clean house OC and bring in a new quarterback. I just don't think they're there that uh, yet. I mean, you say, though, that he's had success, but where has it been this season? I mean, where has it the, the tangible results been with Drew Locke this season? Can you look – can Pat Shermer look a Broncos fan in the face or even Drew Locke in the face and said, I accomplished what I set out to do this year. I accomplished what I was hired to do this year. What I mean, p- being paid a lot of money to do with this quarterback, he didn't do that, Chad. I mean, whatever he did in Minnesota and Philadelphia before that, that didn't transfer to Denver, and I think Drew Locke got worse with him as the coordinator. You mentioned the reps – would those reps have changed Pat Shermer calling a fourth and one tight end shovel or, or ignoring Noah Fan or any other million blunders he's done this year? I, I just I can't exonerate him no matter what scenario it is. You know, you might be a, you might swing me by the time it's all said and done, you know, depending on how this shakes out. It's happened before. Uh Black Knight two uh you changed your handle. I almost said two thirty-two, but at least on on Twitch it would seem it's three twenty-three. Good to see you, my friend. He says, I wish Elway would get with the times and draft a QB that's a dual threat type. You know, it's interesting you say that, Black Knight, because uh, Cecil Lammy, who, you know, great friend of the show, great friend to MHH. I have nothing but admiration and respect for Cecil. And he, I heard him say something. I don't know. I can't remember if it was on Twitter this week or if it was on one of his shows. But nevertheless, it was something to the effect of Zach. Drew Locke is athletic but he's not a mobile quarterback and that there is a difference. I agree for sure. I mean, you have to be able to make yards. Like if you watch Lamar Jackson last night, burn the Cowboys defense, a 37 yard touchdown. Yeah. He was left open, but his speed is just noticeable. Locke can get around the corner. He has some moves, but he's not a running quarterback. But to that point, this is why I'm saying you're not going to find that dual threat who you have to win with on the open market. Matt Ryan is not a dual threat quarterback. Matt Stafford is not a dual threat quarterback. Carson Wentz is not a dual threat quarterback, but on the other hand, again, would you trust Lamar Jackson with Pat Shermer? Would you trust Josh Allen with Pat Shermer? So yeah, they have to get that guy, but they have to answer who is the coordinator for this guy and is he the best guy to maximize his talent? And as we've come to know this year, and I want to just tack on to my previous point, Chad, it's one thing if we're saying it, but I think Odell Beckham literally airing that out and saying that Pat Shermer alienated him and forced players to distance themselves. That was the final nail in the coffin. That that publicly uh, cemented a lot of the opinion about Pat Shermer. And I just think he's not the right fit in today's NFL. Xavier jumping in. This is a name that we do not recognize on Super Chat. So welcome and thank you, Xavier. We appreciate you. Uh, make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter so that we can shout you out after this show. He says, I would give the house for a Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah. Who knows, man? I mean, that team has undergone so much trauma and turnover in the last calendar year. It would not completely stun me. They'd be remiss, but it would not completely stun me to see Houston totally reset the whole thing. 
Deshaun Watson, though, drafted by his original team, dual-threat quarterback. It, it, again, it lends credence to the notion that you have to draft your young guy and you ha- it has to be a guy who can win, if possible, with his legs. The best quarterbacks are dual-threats. Antonio, it's all good, my friend. We're just happy to have you with us, and that's the truth. Appreciate you. Hope things uh, turn around for you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this it's having the pandemic's affecting a lot of people still in the United States financially. So we're with you, my friend, and don't you sweat it. Uh, let's grab this question here from Michael, who says, Chad, do you still believe in luck? Define belief. Uh, if you want me to put my fan hat on and say, uh, you know, Drew Locke is the truth, I can't go there. I don't know yet. I, I mean, he's uh, he's regressed somewhat. There's been enough signs of regression in 2020 to – create some serious misgivings on my part in terms of his Drew the long-term guy. But I still maintain that the Broncos are in this little – they're in like a fateful window of time with Drew. And I think if they can handle him the right way, make the right decisions at the end of this season, and give him him more rope and more time on task and more of an opportunity uh, to continue working the grind, I think he can be that. Question is – do the Broncos have that patience? Because going back to what Brock said, Brock Osweiler on uh, when uh, on Tuesday, you know about hey, three years, you know, give him three seasons. All right, 2019, 2020, 2021. But are the Broncos thinking that way? I believe he should be given that. I haven't seen enough. Let me put it this way: this year, in terms of alarm and regression and all the negativity and and criticism of Drew, I haven't seen enough for me to say he shouldn't be given that opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that you ignore quarterback. You need to bring in a better veteran fail-safe, but I still think you center it, this is my opinion, on Drew for 2021. Continue to invest, build the nest. You get Cortland back. You get him a full year of offseason with with Pat and with Shula. And and if it doesn't work out, <clears throat> then you know. You, you know right. absolutely. But there are too many tantalizing, clear flashes of franchise tools but the problem is they're all in potentia and the nfl is a production based business it's not a potential based business so at some point he has to convert that into production uh, chad you, you said that absolutely perfectly i'm, I'm in full agreement with you I, i'm not ready to obviously dump on drew lock or go, get rid of him or say bring in another quarterback for sure and move on i'm also not crowning him as the franchise guy or a pro bowl quarterback because let's face it he's not he's been uh he's shown flashes like you've mentioned he's pop but he's also kind of fizzled as well he's also taken a lot of steps back as well and regressed as well but the the mold is there. You have the raw material for a potential franchise quarterback. It's just molding it to get the best guy and the best passer. And I just think uh, Pat Shermer and the Broncos coaches failed lock this season. We can absolutely give you a birthday shout out. What was that handle again, John? If you have it still, Bronco Fan ninety nine on YouTube. Happy you birthday! Go, Happy birthday to you, my dog. <clears throat> Let me grab this one. We got a super chat from Christy and. And I want to get to that, and then I want to grab Glenn, and then we got to get out of here yeah. uh, for tonight. But the queen of MHH, top roping it, as she is wont to do. Every, every single stream she's in, she's supporting the cause. She's moving the conversation forward. She's just a lot of fun, and we appreciate you, Christy. She says, my guys telling us like it is. Much love. Keep up the good work, and go Broncos. Thank you, Christy. Appreciate you so much. Seriously. Yes. Uh, your commission check on the uh, MHH shirt you designed coming in the mail end of year. Keep an eye on that. Glenn Hauser, another one of our superstars, another just 
a man I have some serious platonic love for. All right, this Glenn, uh, Glenn Hauser cat. I love this guy. All right. He says, any truth to the rumor that Shermer is ruining Drew to make a spot on the roster for his <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah. In Forgot fact, I was just thinking about this today, by the way. Has Kyle Shermer – I'm going to look at the Broncos roster. I'm pretty sure he hasn't been officially signed to the roster. I want to double-check that, though. Um, why would you need – I mean, once you got the quarterbacks back, right, because there was a question. He was brought in that Monday in case Drew, Blake, and or Brett – ended up testing positive and was going to miss the next week or two as well. He was brought in as a potential fail safe um, so that he could have, they could have an actual quarterback available for Sunday's game. And of course they ended up testing negative and came back in the building. Zach. Um, well, he's also played for the chiefs and they signed him before playing the Chiefs. So a lot of that, or some of it, I should say was strategic, but <laughs> I mean, there's no tinfoil conspiracy here. I just think Pat Shermer, he's not even trying to be this bad intentionally. I don't think you can be as bad as a situational play caller and a game planner as Pat Shermer has been this year on purpose. He is just that bad on his own. And it's uh, it's pretty unfortunate. I'm looking at it here. Uh, I'm looking at the practice squad. I'm seeing the new kicker. They brought in for emergency purposes and in the event that Brandon McManus were to come down with the bug. I see a quarterback on the squad, and his name is Blake Bortles. I'm looking here. Let me just make sure I'm not completely tripping, and I'm going to look at the active roster. I know he's not, but I just want to be sure. Yeah, he's not signed. So Kyle Shermer, the headline was report Broncos signing Kyle Shermer. Turns out it was, uh, hey, come in and pass the, the tests for six days, and and then oh, we don't really need you. Hey, you're here. You want to hang out at Dad's place for Christmas? You might as well. <laughs> Pat Schirmer, he can't even cheat correctly, Chad. He, he, can't <laughs> even, he can't even game the system. So bad. All right, guys. Uh, we are going to dip out. Oh, we got Christopher one more time. Appreciate you, Chris. Seriously, man. He yes. says, do you think Broncos PR listens to MHH? LOL. Um Listens to MHH? No, I doubt it. Maybe here and there. They keep an eye on everybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they check the headlines. That's for sure. Uh, and especially for for MHH, um, you know, we every story we write goes out to a massive Broncos right. audience because we have a massive following. And so, yeah, they, you know, let me just put it this way. I'd be stunned if they're not keeping – keeping some track of, of the content we're creating. and But listening to the podcast every day, Zach, probably not. You can't ignore us, no matter how hard you try. J-Bone. Love it, dude. Justin, okay, we'll do, we'll do the plural. Justin J-Bones, Statler. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, if one of the top three quarterbacks fall, I would consider it. But when uh, that more than likely doesn't happen, it'll be one more year for number three under center. Hashtag stay safe. You know, look, if the Broncos are sitting there at pick 10 and Justin Fields comes dropping to him, I'm still not taking him. might seem controversial, but I don't like Ohio State quarterbacks. They don't work out in the NFL. Sorry, Justin Fields. I'm sorry. You know, maybe he's the one guy that proves me wrong and goes on to have. Yeah, there you go, CC. Maybe he goes on to ball out in the NFL, and I hope he does. Serious. I really do. I don't say that to, to hate on the kid. Uh, but I'm not a fan of Ohio State quarterbacks, the system, the culture, whatever the case might be. They don't work out in the NFL, Zach. Now, if it's Trevor Lawrence dropping, of course, but that ain't going to happen. If it's Lance mm, from North Dakota State, I consider it. I could have a conversation. If it's Zach Wilson, holler at me if he's there in the second round. 
Trey Lance, maybe I would consider it a 10. It's the same reason I don't want Sam Darnold. I hate USC quarterbacks. They never pan out in the NFL either. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Zach Wilson, after Trevor Lawrence, I, Zach Wilson is is quickly creeping up my board as the QB2. I, you know, I know Fields is good and Trey Lance is there as well, but there's something about Zach Wilson's accuracy and his throwing strength, and it's just as intangible to the position that just draw me in. So if he's on the board at 10, Chad, and Elway – at that point, and this is the important part, at that point, which is late April, if he's not sold on Locke, I can see him having that conversation. Jerry, he says, I believe in Locke, but I'm riding the Locke. I'm riding the Locke, too. It's like we're on the rails in the Grand Canyon. This is the pandemic, and jumping is not advised right now. Indeed, my friend. All right, well, uh, <clears throat> listen, we'll see how it shakes out, gang. We'll be back uh, tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. So if we missed your question or your topic or your point uh, today, Come back tomorrow night. We'll do our level best to get to as many and all questions and topics as we possibly can. But in the meantime, we do have to dip out. So make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's how we keep the conversation going. Also at Mile High Huddle on Twitter, the main account. And my partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad N. Jensen. And trust me when I say this, you also want to follow the producer. John K M H H at John K M H H as a fan. He's a fun follow on Twitter because he finds everything and he, yeah. he just brings stuff to you that you're, you're grateful that you're following this cat. Cause you might've missed it elsewise. But uh, the other thing is here, gang call to action for our community, go to milehighhuddle.com tonight, read the articles, share your takes in the comment section. We want you to sound off there. We want you to use the website milehighhuddle.com as another tool, as another platform to keep the conversation going. Because Zach and I, we're chilling there all day long. Seriously, that's where if you're like, I wonder how I can get in touch with Chad or Zach. Um, I'll see if they're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. We check those things. You know, we don't ignore Twitter. We don't ignore Facebook. But we're chilling on the website all day long. So shout out uh, to all of you who are already doing that. And so many of you are. But it's a call to action. Check out also the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Other than that, Zach, have a great night, bro. Send Sign us off, and, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, tomorrow night, as always, every week, it's our favorite pod, Mile High Mailbag. You guys have any questions before the pod, as Chad mentioned, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, drop into MHH.com. And uh, as always, guys, we'll see you then, and go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.